Let us pray. And now, God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be with us on this day and fill us with your spirit. And as we think today of all those around the world who worship as we do, we ask your blessings upon them all. Amen. In the aftermath of World War II, with Europe and Japan largely in ruins, the world was stunned by our capacity for violence and destruction. London, Dresden, Coventry, Berlin, Buchenwald, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, all virtually destroyed. Protestant Christians created the idea to declare the first Sunday in October as a day to celebrate our unity as the body of Christ. Hans Kuhn, a noted Swiss theologian, said it best, I think, when he said, there will be no peace among the peoples of the world without peace among religions. And there will be no peace among world's religions without peace among Christian churches. And so was born World Communion Sunday. In effect, this day seeks to imagine a world that is different than the one that has been constructed for us. Take, for instance, the way we think about the geography of the world. Almost all of us in the room got an idea of what the world was like as we all studied a map that was created by a German cartographer named Gervardus Mercator in 1569. It was a map intended to be a navigational tool for European sailors to cross oceans. To do that, he needed to draw straight lines of navigation from one point to another, which was fine, except in order to make it work, he also had to distort the size of several land masses. For instance, if you look at the Mercator map, it appears that Greenland is about the same size as Africa, when the truth of the matter is Africa is 14 times bigger than Greenland. Or if you, you look at, at Europe, it appears to be considerably larger than South America, but in reality, South America is twice the size of Europe. And so you might ask, so what? Well, such distortions of world geography might also figure into distortions of perceptions of the rest of the world. And the only way to stop those perceptions is to become more familiar with the world's people. We now have so much access to the world that we never had before. The internet allows us to connect in remarkable ways. If you got on an airplane today in Nashville, you could fly virtually anywhere in the world and be there within 24 hours. That's astonishing. And as we interact with each other, walls become broken down. God's dream for us was spoken by Jesus today in the scripture lesson, that they all may be one. To do that, we will have to reimagine our world and to recognize that unity is not universal agreement on all matters of doctrine and practice. Unity isn't about all of us singing from the same hymn book. Unity is not about reciting the same creed and unity is not even worshiping in the same way. We are one body 
not because we got together one day and decided to be. We are one body because God declares it so. And all that remains then is whether or not we will live into that declaration. And until we do, there will continue to be wars and there will continue to be strife and there will be, continue to be brokenness among the nations. Marilyn Maciel wrote this poem called Clothesline. I, you, us, them, those people. Wouldn't it be lovely if one could live in a constant state of we? Some of the most commonplace words can be some of the biggest dividers. They? What if there was no they? What if there was only us? If words could be seen as they floated out of our mouths, would we feel no shame as they passed over our lips? If we were to string our words on a communal clothesline, would we feel proud of our thoughts as they flapped in the breeze? As long as you and I and other nations and peoples attempt to maintain an us versus them understanding of the world, we can count on repeating the same atrocities against each other that we've committed all through history. Because as one person has said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. On July the 3rd, 1863, the final day of the Battle of Gettysburg took place. One of this nation's certain sins was the Civil War. On that day, Major General George Pickett led an all-out assault against the Union Army. Pickett commanded a, a force of some 15,000 Confederate troops. He marched them across an open field that was one mile wide and two-thirds of a mile long. Not a big space for that size force. He led those Confederate troops against a Union Army of only 8,000 but well fortified and dug in. It was a massacre. 8,000 Confederate troops were slaughtered that day and it was all over in under an hour. Many historians point to this battle as the turning point of the war. Animosity between the North and the South didn't end with the Civil War. In many ways, the animosity grew. 50 years after Pickett's charge, the veterans who were still alive decided to reenact the battle. They all took their positions just as they had on that day, and at the appointed moment, all those old Confederate soldiers began to march again across that same valley towards the ridge in the distance. As they got close, the Union Army approached, and a, a tremendous battle cry went out among all of them. And as they approached one another, a remarkable thing happened. Instead of reenacting the battle as they had planned, they all dropped their weapons and embraced each other and wept. Us and them became we that day on that field. After September the 11th, there were a lot of stories of heroes and survivors and tragedy. One young man in his 20s lived through the terror. He was working on the 47th floor of the first tower. And as officials and security personnel came onto the floor to tell everyone to stay put because rescue was on the way, this young man's instincts told him otherwise. 
He ran down 47 flights through fire and heavy smoke to safety. Many others who survived that day suffered and continue to suffer what's known as survivor's guilt. Why did I survive when all the others didn't? And as it turns out, this young man struggled with that, but he struggled with something else. He struggled to make sense of the last thing he saw on the 47th floor. As he made his way to the door, he noticed that people of all ages, races, genders, nationalities were huddled together praying to the same God. He would later say to his pastor, what am I supposed to make of that? Suddenly, my God seems awfully small. And the God in that room that day seems awfully large. God's dream for us that day was something that this young man came face to face with, even in a tragic way. God's dream for us to become one. For us and them to become we. Today, Pope Francis will stand over St. Peter's Square and he will say, this is the body of Christ. In a small storefront in Denver, Colorado, Nadia Bowles Weber will stand in front of a small group of recovering addicts and prisoners released from jail and she will say, this is the body of Christ. In a house church in Cuba, a lay pastor will stand in front of some 15 people in a broken down home and he will raise bread and say, this is the body of Christ. In an open field in Bolivia today, a priest will have a, a group of very poor farmers and will raise a loaf and say, this is the body of Christ. Standing on a place where there was a church only a month ago, a pastor will stand in Abacus, Bahamas and raise a loaf and say, this is the body of Christ. On and on and on it goes. While the, the peace that we hope for may not yet be true across the globe, it must be true among those baptized into the body of Christ. We will be the ones to show the world that this can be done. Jan Richardson writes this, and the table will be wide, and the welcome will be wide, and the arms will open wide to gather us in, and our hearts will open wide to receive, and we will come as children who trust that there is enough. And we will come unhindered and free. And our aching will be met with bread. And our sorrow will be met with wine. And we will open our hands to the feast without shame. And we will turn toward each other without fear. And we will give up our appetite for despair. And we will taste and know of delight. And we will become bread for a hungering world and we will become drink for those who thirst and the blessed will become the blessing and everywhere will be the feast all of this is in the name of the father and son and holy spirit amen